I felt like Playboy solidified my womanhood. Playboy gave me something to look up to. Like these women are really beautiful. And so I worked my ass off at Walmart. Sometimes I slept in my car in the Walmart parking lot because I didn't want to spend the money on gas to go back home because I was like so dead set I was going to get these boobs. You can't be mad because you're a hot chick. You're not allowed to be mad at a guy thinking you're hot. Like I didn't get breast implants to wear a turtleneck all the time. So like, where's the, where's the line here? Like, are you pissed because these guys think you're hot, but yet you did all this extra to get the extra attention, but now it's not the right guy's attention. So now you're pissed and now all of a sudden it's me too. It's, it's uneven. also a very LA thing to do, kind of categorize people and say, oh no, I can't be seen, you know, my followers wouldn't like that or whatever. My, my followers expect a lot from me and I'm just like, okay, all right, whatever, lady, <laughs> keep it moving. But so I'm really grateful that my friends haven't done that to me because they could easily do that to me because my online presence is very much short of angelic. Never ever listen to what people are telling you. You have to listen to their actions see how they react to certain things and then whatever they react to in the way that you like, in the way that, that you feel serves you, then that's what you give them more of. And unfortunately with a lot of women, it is the assholishness behavior. And that usually does come sometimes within a certain age range. If I speak with a silver tongue, convince a crowd, but don't have love, I leave a bit taste with every word I say. That is CJ Sparks. I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. CJ shares how she grew up in a strictly conservative Christian home and ended up in the Playboy Mansion as a seven-time playmate. Some view being seen with her as a social liability, but if the fear of appearances keeps you from talking with her, it's probably a good thing as she's a free thinker and shares her opinions on the Me Too movement, free speech, and the games guys and girls play. Let's start with her opinion on cheating, which she knows is unconventional. If you live out in LA and you date in LA, that's expected that you're going to be cheated on. I tend to have, I'm the only one that I've heard say this, so I tend to have a different outlook on it, that cheating physically, like if a guy goes out and um, has sex with, some random girl or or whatever and kind of comes back and says oh you know I, I made a mistake I'm really sorry I'm gonna make sure that that doesn't happen again or something I, I just don't necessarily think that that's a deal breaker I'd be a lot more upset if he was spending time with her taking her to lunch buying her things little things or big things taking her to the airport or whatever like I'd be I would be furious mm-hmm. <laughs> because I feel as though he's investing in that person outside of he and I, whereas if he kind of just like made a mistake and slept with some other woman, I would just kind of be like, well, um, you know, I'm not for it and I'm not excusing the action, but I guess I would understand it if we hadn't been sleeping together or if I had been traveling or for whatever reason, if we weren't able to have sex wasn't being satisfied and I would understand that. Like you're saying, like even you recognize that's kind of a unique perspective. Do you think that comes from the work you've done for Playboy where you have a different view on sex and what it means or what it represents? You know, that's that's actually a good question. I actually I haven't been asked that before. I mean it could be I've kind of just always been a little more open minded. I was raised really, really religiously, super, Mm -hmm. super religiously. We weren't allowed to watch secular TV until my parents divorced. I I think I was like 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. or maybe a little younger, 10 or 11 maybe. I can remember to this day when I heard my first curse word. I I know, right? Mm -hmm. I can remember we were so religious even, even one day in Sunday school, I wanted to sing like this song at church. And because the song said, who's the king of the jungle, and they were the song was referring to, to a monkey, that the monkey was the king of the jungle, my teacher said, no, you can't sing that because, like, Jesus is the ruler of all. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
So I was raised that religiously. So very conservative, really yeah. Super conservative. My dad and my sister. I'm the oldest of four. I have one younger sister and then two younger brothers. That my dad and my sister still live that way. My mom and he uh, divorced and she remarried. He hasn't remarried, so she's a little bit more lenient. She knows kind of a lot more about what's going on down here in the La La Land. But my dad and my sister still very much live to to that extent this day so i gotta kind of watch what i say around my sister is two years younger than me i'm 33 she's 31 she's never been kissed never had a boyfriend never had a beer never said a curse word never never nothing (laughs) wow that's christmas must be interesting (laughs) yeah so she she and i are pretty much black we're black and white night and day and then um my brother is four years younger than me, and he's gay, and he lives in San Francisco. And then my mom remarried and had another boy who's half my age, or round, round about half my age, yeah. So I don't know really where my open-mindedness came. Um, I, I just feel like I'm really logical, and I've been told that a lot by people that I've dated that they call me like a realist. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that if I build something with somebody and I take months and years like if they fuck up and if they show remorse for it that i should just then throw it all away it just you know what i mean it just it doesn't make sense to me it's like an arbitrary line people draw for what they say is right and wrong and there's not really a principle or a basis for it so right and so it sounds like you're saying well what's different about this than that and it's like well there's not really a logical reason it just feels a lot differently to most people yeah Right. Like if a guy, if my boyfriend or my husband was going out and, um, ta- you know, taking some other woman to for like a nice massage or getting her flowers and just spending time, <laughs> like time, mm-hmm. just time investing in that other person, that time that he could be spending with me or time that he could be at work bettering himself or bettering us as a unit. If he was just spending time with that other woman, I like it. Like it, my skin crawls right now thinking mm. about that. I don't know. I don't. It's so bizarre, but it's just. I would rather he fuck her, get mm. it over with, and then come back home to me, shower, shave, do all that good stuff, and then like, okay, you're a fresh man now. Take the fucking garbage out, rub my back, go because you feel guilty. Go buy me a new pair of shoes in a bag, and honey, we're good. You know, <laughs> just don't do it again. So as fucked up as that sounds. That's the way that I feel. I know it's not the popular way. My girlfriends are all like, okay, you're crazy. You're psycho. Like, But that for me, that would be, I just don't see that as a deal breaker. I think it's actually foolish. I think it's unfair to expect perfection from somebody else when I don't want them to expect perfection from me. I've actually been really good about not cheating on my partners. I don't really ever have a problem with that, even though I travel. That's not really something I've ever struggled with, even though I love, mm-hmm. I love to drink, I love to party and get wild and um but like I've I've made out with other women and my boyfriend and I've shared my guy before so I'm 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 down for that when the time calls for it I don't I don't live like that all the time but I just kind of has to be on my terms I guess (laughs) that's figuring out what those terms are for each people like you're saying it's interesting to me like most people what you're describing and like it's like completely comfortable and fine for you a lot of people that would make them uncomfortable or would it would force them to challenge why do i believe what i believe or why do i act the way i act and a lot of times there is no reason behind it it's just feelings i think a lot of it's from childhood i think something even something even happened or i saw something subliminally when i was a child that like made me i mean it could be as so simple as an episode of I mean, we were only allowed to watch Married with Children and Little House on the Prairie growing up. I know two bizarre combo, but my dad loved that. So that was like our one splurge. And then actually my real name, Cassandra, my mom named me from a character on Little House on the Prairie. So (laughs) (laughs) that was like my dad's big splurge, though, Married with Children. So I probably saw something on that. I don't know. But I I believe everything absolutely stems from childhood. And there's absolutely Mm. a reason why we are the way that we are. And as I'm getting older, I'm learning that more and more and more. (laughs) Well, and yeah, so part of your beliefs, do you view your body as a very personal thing? Or do you view it more like you're not detached, but it's more, it's, it's something almost separate from you? I view my body like if I were to go naked, like I've been to nudist resorts, I tried stripping for a week. That was really rough. And I'll tell you why. I've been to 
Ibiza where families, children, mothers, daughters, fathers were all completely nude and it was nothing sexual at all. And I've been to nude beaches where it was very much sexual and nude resorts where it was uh, very much sexual. I actually just fully worked a sex party too last Saturday. It was so awesome. I lost my phone, it was, um, but I had a good time. And um, so I'm really open that way. So here's where I draw the line. I, I'm super happy to like show off my body and a lot of the negative comments on Instagram or a lot of the sexual comments on Instagram, a lot of the sexual DMs that I get, a lot of the pics that I get, those actually don't really bother me because I get that I'm kind of putting my body out there. So I just kind of delete it and go it really doesn't bother me. And then if you read the comments, my responses to a lot of the comments under my photos, I really like to have a good time with it. I love I love to say thank you, but I also love to like make a joke out of things and I have a good time with it. So I get that I'm putting my body out there and it's kind of up for discussion in that way. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I kind of do feel like in a way, I guess, my body with its photos as I am nude on the internet. I guess technically you could say maybe it belonged to the world or belonged to the public or to the internet or to everybody but myself, I guess. And which I don't mind. It doesn't really bother me, especially being nude on the internet this day and age. You know, there's people that are out there purposefully just hoping somebody will snag it and make them a star. Mm -hmm. So it's not that big of a deal dating. I find it's not been that big of a deal, although there have been some people that it has been, been a deal breaker for, which is completely their prerogative. And I respect that. But where I draw the line, it's like people touching me. Mm -hmm. So like I tried stripping. And that was really, really hard for me. I tried that for about four nights in Florida. I had a girlfriend who was a stripper out there and she's like, oh, I'm making all this money. Da, da, da. And I'm not friends with her now, so I can, so I can say this, but she wasn't very cute. <laughs> <laughs> she was not very cute. She's a lot shorter than me. She, she didn't take care of her body as well as I do. You know, if I may be so bold as to say she didn't quite have a personality like I do. So I was just like, okay, I don't know. This girl is like making all this money. You know, I'm going to go over there and, like, make a fuck ton. <laughs> so I went over there, and the first couple of nights, it's like, I don't know what superhero movie it is, but, like, when people touch and they can see, like, their memories mm -hmm. and their thoughts or whatever, and their body, like, there's a jolt because that person is, like, injecting them with whatever they have going on via their thoughts and their memories and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was like that. And mm. not because oh, the men were so creepy or they're creepers or nasty or perverts or whatever, smelly, stinky. I actually met a lot of really cool people. So so I wasn't like in some grimy, you know, pub somewhere shaking it for mm -hmm. for quarters, you know. I was, I was in a nice upscale place. The clientele was nice, was upscale. So something about the people touching me was just, it, it was like, it was infuriating all at once. It made me like want to cry. It made me, it was mm. just so like off limits. So I think I did it for three nights because I thought, oh, at first I thought too, I thought, oh, you know, it's probably like the webcaming because I do the webcaming. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, oh, you know, everything's kind of weird at first and it's new and different. And I really enjoy to try new and different things. So I was like, well, you know, let me give it a few nights and see like if this feeling kind of sticks with me or if it gets better. And it just like, it, it got worse. Hmm. So I was like, oh my God, okay, I can't do this. So I don't know what it is, but I don't, like if I was walking naked down the street, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And if people hmm. were making snide comments, I'd be fine with it. And if people were making positive comments, I'd be fine with it. Like I get cat called down the street all the time. That stuff doesn't bother me. I'm actually worried about the day when it stops because then it's like, hmm. you're not, you're, you're not a hot bitch anymore. You know? <laughs> If you see a little lady with a cane or getting pushed in a wheelchair, nobody's catcalling her, you know, it's because nobody wants her anymore. You poor soul, she's she's kind of on her last leg. So mm -hmm. for me, I mean, I'm not encouraging it, but I'm appreciating it. I'm like, well, okay, that's cool. So, but the touching, the touching is where I draw the line. So if somebody was to touch me, I would flip the fuck out. Hmm. Funny, a lot. there's, there's uh, something I read I was talking about. A younger woman was making fun of an older woman who no longer gives that attention. And it's like, go sing songs in the city so people can hear you and remember you because that's all you have left. And like, that was her burn. And it's like, oh, that's like you're saying, that's so strikes to the, like when attention and being, when that's the core of like what draws people in and that's gone, it's like, that's heartbreaking. You know? Yeah, it's not, as long as nobody tries to touch me, mm. if I may be so bold as to speak on the whole Me Too movement, <laughs> half of it, I think is a fucking crock. Half of it, I really do think some of these women 
they're shaming other women who actually went through some horrific times and who actually went through some horrific experiences with men of power. I think some of these women are out there, maybe not half, maybe that's a strong assumption, but I think mm-hmm. some of these women out there, they're out for blood, they're out for money. And I don't really even think they're out for fame. I think they're out for money. I think a lot of these women are running through the mud. Some of these other women's names who have really experienced serious turmoil due to that. If somebody catcalls you or, you know, even if somebody lightly brushes against you or God forbid you're in the club and somebody's hand is kind of on your butt or whatever, it's not a me too. You, you haven't been assaulted. Don't get your panties in a bunch. You can't be mad because you're a hot chick. You're not allowed to be mad at a guy thinking you're hot. Like I didn't get breast implants to wear a turtleneck all the time. So like, where's the, where's the line here? Like, are you pissed because these guys think you're hot, but yet you did all this extra to get the extra attention, but now it's not the right guy's attention. So now you're pissed and now all of a sudden it's me too. It's, it's uneven. I think every person sees that movement through the lens of which they perceive life. And like you're saying, I, there's definitely room for nuance and it's not all black and white where just because you claim this label, it immediately means you're absolutely right. And there's, there should be due process. These women are making these accusations and they're really ruining some people's careers. And it's unfortunate. Yes, it was, it was necessary though, because power was being abused and no one was talking about it. Yeah, I would agree it's something that needs to be talked about for sure, yeah. And both sides need to be talked about, because if all they're, like, right, if I was talking to someone else and their Me Too movement stance is always like, yes, it's 100% always right. Right, right. See, it's so unpopular to say that some of these girls are lying, but some of these girls are lying, and it's fucked. It is, and it's like, that's worth having a discussion about, and it's saying, well, how do you treat this whole thing, and just to bridge that gap. You know, back in the day, you know, a, a black man would get strung up just for whistling at a white woman who was walking. Right. This. I think right. people would agree that's gone too far, kind of overreact to Hollywood or the Catholic Church or et cetera, right. et cetera. There's some scenarios where it's like these people were never held accountable. They were never, right. justice was never done. So let's push really hard back against this because we need to be heard. And I, right. I, I completely get that, completely agree. But it's like, let's let's remain balanced or try to see both sides of the issue before just right. believing it's, any accusation. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around, guilty until proven innocent. So being in the industry that I'm in, doing like the nude modeling and stuff and the webcamming, you know, I have like an OnlyFans and I do like the slip TVs. It's kind of like all the era of working from your phone essentially mm-hmm. um, when I first got into doing like the webcamming and stuff you had to have like the fastest Mac computer you had to have the best external uh, webcam and you know you needed a great light and now it's like <laughs> you're just on your little phone it, it doesn't even have to be the latest iPhone it could be you know three or four generations old mm-hmm. and you're still raking in the coin it's really interesting I get to, because I get to see so many different sides. Did Avian last year. I have a lot of girlfriends that are at Exotica this year, right now, this very moment. And there is a lot of men, I guess, that would be, you know, kind of in power. And then there's primarily women performers. Primarily, it's, you know, woman dominated. There's a lot more women performers than there's men. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to kind of see how the Me Too goes moves in that in those circles so to speak there's just so many free thinking people that's when i am kind of like really grateful to be a part of that community mm-hmm. rather than any other one because in that sense i do think they they try and like do make it fair for everybody because it's such a touchy subject especially within that community as well it's like my god you know it's, there's so many different things that are going on <laughs> i couldn't even imagine one of the things you mentioned like drawing a line like for you being touched for you that's like that really is not okay or i'm not uh, comfortable right. with. it seems like each person they draw their line is that line truly arbitrary it's a model it's like some models it's like i don't do nudity but i'll imply nudity that's a line they draw and that's their stance and then there's someone who maybe they're nude right i've had people come into my chat room and say well so and so does this well, mm. so-and-so does that, and this is how much she charges. And I say, okay, well, then go to her chat room. Every girl mm. sets her own rules. Every girl has her own limits. This is my show. It's the CJ show. You go back to the Sarah or the Megan show, and you get and you get that there from that girl. 
because every girl has her own things that she will and, and won't do. I think that kind of like moves into life in general. What would you say to someone who they draw their line at, I only imply nudity, I don't do it, therefore they feel like that leaves them in a better position than you? Like, how would you address that? Or do you feel that way about, well, I don't be touched, but people who touched, well, thank goodness I'm not one of... Do you think there is any room for people to think one is better than the other? No, I think you just have to do what serves you. Because hmm. I have a lot of girlfriends that profit highly off of non-nude webcams. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of girlfriends that profit off of... From doing the webcams, I have learned that there is there is somebody who will give you a dollar to do pretty much about anything. So just because you wouldn't do that, does like that 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 other woman is less than mm-hmm. i think that, i i think it's like so it's so unfair to say that because somebody else is doing something that that you wouldn't do that they're less than and i've caught myself even thinking that saying mm-hmm. that before and i've had to tell myself okay stop it that's that's not true that's not cool and that's not like how you want to live that's not how you want others around you to live because i'm sure i do a million things i'm probably like the raunchiest one of my friends when it comes to online presence not my really thank goodness because i think it's thing that has to do with my small town upbringing i'm so grateful that my friends don't really judge me one girl does like a runway modeling she's not saying oh, okay well you know cgs webcaming and she doesn't need modeling so i can hang out with her because there's a lot of girls that do I think you mm-hmm. miss out on a lot of good people that way. It's also a very LA thing to do, kind of categorize people and say, oh, no, I can't be seen. You know, my followers wouldn't like that or whatever. And it's like, oh, how many followers do you have? And they're just like, oh, well, you know, I just I just passed 50K. My, my followers expect a lot from me. And I'm just like, okay, all right, whatever, lady. <laughs> Keep it moving. But so I'm really grateful that my friends haven't done that to me because they could easily do that to me because my online presence is very much short of angelic. <laughs> well, I'm interested in exploring that because I agree. I think a lot of people, they don't want to be seen talking to a certain person or they don't want to associate with a certain person. No one explains where that belief comes from. It's more of a societally imposed thing. And it's like, I'd, I would like to understand the reasons for it. It's like a caste system in a way. Yeah, it is. But I think everyone knows, like, embrace yourself, be yourself. Whatever you want to do is fine with you. We all use those words, but when it actually comes time to putting it into practice, it's like, oh, you were talking with who now? I think it's easier said than done. Talking about your sister who's super conservative, how does she handle mm-hmm. having like a gay brother and a person whose online presence isn't angelic? First off, my sister does not have Facebook. She does not have Instagram. She, I don't even know if she has an email. So my sister and my dad both literally really? know... I mean, you know, they're not idiots, so I'm sure, <laughs> you know, that they've seen, just, just because they don't have all that doesn't mean, I mean, my dad still doesn't have a phone that can access the internet. Hmm. My sister does, um, but I don't even really know what she would go on the internet and look for if she wasn't looking for something. You know what I mean? She's not like browsing the internet, mm-hmm. searching my name or searching something. If she's going on the internet, it's like to look up something to have to do with the church like there's a destination so she's like mm-hmm. not deferring from her destination so needless to say she has a lot of extra time <laughs> because she's not scrolling around on her phone like the rest of us are <laughs> so my when my brother first came out it was really really painful and my sister was really sweet about it mm-hmm. um she was Good. very adamant that she didn't she didn't agree mm-hmm. but she was still very sweet and loving about it and my dad didn't talk to my brother for I'm not exactly sure how long, but I think it might have even been a few years. My dad was really upset. My brother is my dad's only son. Mm. My dad is Mexican and my mom's German, so I'm half Mexican and half German. My dad's dad also died of a heart attack when my dad was nine. So my dad, for a large part of his young childhood, didn't have a dad. My dad didn't talk to my brother for a little while, and I think it was a little bit of like a machismo thing. And I think it was also a little bit of like, okay, well, I'm going to pray really hard and Mm -hmm. I'm going to fix him (laughs) because in my dad's mind, my brother was sick. Mm -hmm. I think when my dad was finally like, okay, well, I've been praying (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's pretty silent and he still seems to be off in San San Francisco being gay. Gosh, that was probably, I mean, it was well over 10 years ago. And my brother was telling me not that long ago that he even just had another conversation with my dad. Like, listen, I love you. We're cool. But like, you need to stop telling me that you're praying for me. That indicates something is wrong with me. 
and nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. So my dad and my sister are just in the church and they are in the dark ages a little bit in that way. And uh, my dad doesn't know anything about me. They do know my brother is gay, but, but they don't know that I'm like off doing the Playboy thing. And I did inspire them to get on a plane because they had never been on a plane. I had never been on Good a plane. Yeah. So they like went, they went to Cambodia and they did like a mission trip. And my sister was like, oh, you know. You inspired me. I would have never, you know, we probably would have never done this if we hadn't seen you traveling all over. And they know I travel for modeling. And I think they have an inkling. Like I said, they're not idiots, but they don't know exactly. And they don't ask, to be quite honest. They don't ask. And I think that there's a reason behind that. Right. <laughs> because they're right. like, we don't want to know. We don't, you know, right. we're happy the way that it is. My mom knows a little bit. I was telling her back when I was going to the Playboy Mansion, I was telling her a little bit about the Playboy Mansion and all that good stuff. Oh, and then my mom, my dad, and my sister, both, they don't know that I have breast implants. <laughs> how do they? <laughs> how does that? That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I worked it. I know. I know. It sounds wild. So I worked at Walmart in the, in the nights, and I waitressed during the day to save up money for my breast implants. I was working at my uncle's restaurant. And during in the mornings and then in the nights I would work at, work at Walmart and Walmart was my breast implant friend in Elk Grove, mm. California. And um, I've even went in there recently and I'm like have to go with my head down because I'm like not that I don't want to see people, but if I'm not like wearing makeup or something, you know, I want them to still think I'm doing doing okay. So if somebody sees me <laughs> and I'm like not wearing makeup in there, they're gonna be like, okay, what's going on? You know, the facade is like broken. Mm. So, um, but it was such a it was such a fun time. I worked in the jewelry department. I love my love my managers and I love the ladies that I worked with and I actually you know everyone puts Walmart down or whatever but the meet means to an end it's not like a lifetime job so I had a good time worked it for a year that was my boob fund so I put my money away but at that time so I worked it for a year saved up enough money to get my boobs and then I signed but I wasn't talking to my dad at that time what was your plan like the you getting the boob job was that like I am going into modeling or is it just what was kind of the reasoning behind Okay, so ever since I was a little girl, after my mom and my dad split, I don't know what happened, I became like a little pervert. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wasn't going to get boobs. And all the girls around me, because my mom was really small chested, mm -hmm. and all the girls around me had like these awesome boobs. So I was really depressed about it. All my girlfriends had boobs. I was like the only small chested one. I had like a 32A, I had nipples. Of course, all the boys made fun of me. I remember one time we went swimming somewhere and I like put a bunch of padding to my swimsuit and like when I got out of the pool my swimsuit was like dripping mm -hmm. like a hot like it wasn't dripping like there was water coming out of it and it was because there was so much water coming out of it because the two sponges in my bikini that I had put in were sopping full of water uh -huh. how do these country little motherfuckers know <laughs> but they were like oh my god so much water is coming out of your bikini top. What's go like? I was just like, how do these fuckers know? How do these fuckers know that I have? And so I just like looked at them and I just like gave them like a nasty face and I just like squeezed my squishy sponge boobs, got all the water out and meandered off to buy to be in a corner by my non-boob self. So I always kind of knew I wasn't gonna get them and I was trying to figure out like a way. I didn't understand that you could buy them. So like as I got older and I realized. I can buy these. So I was just like, oh my God, okay. One of my girlfriends got her boobs done by a doctor and her boobs look great. And so she was like, yeah, it's only $4,000. So I was like, I can save up $4,000. So I worked my ass off at Walmart. Sometimes I slept in my car in the Walmart parking lot because I didn't want to spend the money on gas to go back home. Wow. So you were like hardcore dedicated to this. I was, this is how dedicated I was. Not only that, I gave myself a dollar for lunch every day. Wow. And there were these 75 cent TV dinners that I could get. I mean, you're so young. You don't give a fuck about nutrients, right? Like right. now you have unlimited energy. I think I, I was like 20, I think 20 or 21. Hmm. You don't need any nutrients at that age. You're like a wild stallion. Wake up out of bed and you pop out of bed and you're ready to conquer the day. So I was like in eating these 75 cent TV dinners. And at the end of the week, I would have a little bit of extra. And like on Fridays, I would save up my quarters. And then sometimes I would be able to get like some fast food. Like people would go around and like take like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to Taco Bell or oh, I'm going to, we're going to go to McDonald's or 
something like that. So I would be able to say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I'm going to let me get this and this and that. And I would be able to get like a couple burritos or like a couple cheeseburgers or something like that. And that was like my big treat for the week. Because I was living in the next town over, if I wasn't waitressing in the morning, I would sleep in my car overnight because I didn't want to waste the extra gas. Because I was like so dead set I was going to get these boobs. <laughs> I don't know people who are that dedicated to almost anything, right? Like, tell me something that someone's that dedicated. Oh, listen, I have not been that dedicated to anything in a long Sent- time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, bo- that boob job was like, that was it. But what did that represent to you? I mean, obviously that's no small thing. Like for you, this is a monumental, this is a game changer. It just represented being full. And I'll never forget my... My manager at the time was an Indian woman, a really sweet Indian woman. I think she was Pakistani. And she was so kind. She was so sweet. I felt like my mom in a way because I could talk to her about worldly things that I couldn't talk mm-hmm. so much to, to my mom about. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to her like about sex and stuff. And she would kind of always giggle, but she always would like give me real world advice. Whereas my mom, it's like I kind of, you know, couldn't talk to her about that. We became really close and she was just like, you know, why do you want to do this to yourself? She was like, I'm really concerned for you. You mm-hmm. have never broken a limb or anything like that. So I've never been like under anesthesia. Mm. And she was just like, you're beautiful. Like God made you this way. She was not chastising me at all. She was genuine. She thought I was going to die like on the operating table. She was like, you're going to die. Like, this is not okay. I'm like, look at me. I don't, I have nothing. I have nothing. And I was always kind of built. I was bigger on the bottom. So it wasn't like, you know, I'm like this little petite thing that wants like these huge, (laughs) you know, Trisha Paytas boobs that are just like massive. And I'm just like this little 90 pounder. Like I was always disproportionate or so I felt. But would you say you were a less than person because you had smaller breasts? Yeah, absolutely. 1000%. I felt less than Mm. 1000%. Do you know where that feeling came from? Probably from seeing all my other girlfriends, you know, that kind of felt like they had all this confidence that Mm. I didn't necessarily seem to possess. And I just thought if I got these fake tits, it was just going to be two balls of confidence. Mm. (laughs) And that you'd mentioned earlier, like after your parents divorced, do you think it had something to do with because she wasn't attractive enough? And it's like this will counteract that and make sure it never happens to me. Ooh, yeah, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that either. Well, my my mom left my dad because my dad was really, really controlling, mm-hmm. super, super controlling. So I definitely know my mom wasn't like, I'm taking my two itty bitty titties and, you know, out the door. That's <laughs> it. And I definitely don't think my dad was like some tiny boob connoisseur. I think I just wanted to feel better. Mm-hmm. My mom, I do know that my mom suffers from depression I do think I have a bit of that as well. Now I'm able to realize it. I wasn't able to pinpoint it back then. I thought mm-hmm. she was just sad because she had to leave my dad and had to kind of start again with three kids. I mean, could you imagine how daunting that would be? I couldn't. Oh, yeah, I couldn't even imagine. And we used to climb the walls. We lived in a two-room trailer, and we figured out that we could put one leg on one side of the hall and hop up. <laughs> Somehow, I'm not kidding you, my uh-huh. poor mother, I mean, she got remarried, I think, pretty soon. When you're a kid, you have no real timeline of these things. Mm-hmm, but I yeah. think she ended up running off with her manager. So I'm not sure if maybe she might have even cheated on my dad. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I know my dad was not very pleasant to her growing up. Uh-huh. And um, he's better now, but he wasn't very pleasant then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether she did or she, she, whether she did or she didn't cheat, I think she did it maybe even for us kids in a way to kind of get us out of that situation because it wasn't healthy. So my poor mom like needed to, she needed to remarry and get us all out of the house. And then when she became pregnant with my half brother, I think that's when I kind of started becoming really angry and acting out. And I think randomly, coincidentally, I went over to my girlfriend's house and she had an older brother. And she's like, oh, you know, my older brother has this box of pictures. I want you to see it. Of course, it's like Playboy's. It was all these beautiful women with all these beautiful bodies and these big boobs. And I think I just felt like, okay, like that's what I need to look like. And I think I might've even assumed that's what my mom looked like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I just thought, okay, that's what women look like. That's what real women look like. That just got ingrained in my brain. I think probably from that or around that time. 
Yeah, and it sounds like for you, you've been in Playboy now, so that's one definition of success where it's like, okay, it's worked pretty well for you. Was it as amazing? Did it live up to the expectations? Like this will provide me a new life or I'll have confidence? <laughs> the first time when I got my first Playmate was Playboy Mexico, the guy that I was seeing at the time dumped me. So mm. that was really rough and that was really an eye-opener to say the least because it's like, okay, so like not all the boys want you, want you when you do this because I was like, oh my uh, God, my life has meaning. Mm. I'm so excited, blah, 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 blah. And I had, um, I've been dating this guy for a few years and yeah, he dumped me. He's like, I'm not into this. I'm not for it. I'm not here for it. Bye. <laughs> so like in your mind, up until that point, being a playboy, that is like the apex of desirability and everyone is going to want you. Right, right, right. Mm. I thought once I got into playboy, it might sound a little dramatic, but I'm like, oh, once I get into playboy, my life will finally have meaning. Because my ex mm. before that was like, you know, you're doing all this. And uh, my ex in Sacramento would say I was chasing rainbows. He's like, you're chasing, that was his famous line. You're chasing rainbows, you're chasing rainbows. You mm. shouldn't be doing this. Get a air quotes, real job. <laughs> You know, this was just when like the MySpace and the face Facebook was really just kind of taking off. I would post suggestive photos and he was just like, you're too old. You're over the hill. You're chasing rainbows. You need to do A, B, and C and then, and then that. This was like my final jab at him. I was so excited. And I just thought, okay, it's all came full circle now. And then meanwhile, like the love of my life at the time dumped me. <laughs> that's pretty confusing. Like that's quite a bit to process. Yeah, it was so it was so intense. I was like, oh my God, wait, you can't stop me. I just got my first playmate. This is supposed to be super fun. And it was really special to me too, because I'm half Mexican. So it was like, wow, this is like this is super special. This is something that I could really build on. And hmm. yeah, he was like, I'm out of here. That's brutal. Like for you, like you mentioned, like Playboy was profound. Mm -hmm. This was big. Why? I felt like Playboy solidified my womanhood because I never really had somebody to look up to. I love my mom very much, but I don't aspire to be like her. Mm. So I feel like Playboy gave me something to look up to. Like these women are really beautiful. And even at the time, I didn't realize these people were like sexual, being sexualized. I, I didn't really even understand what yeah. I, I, did, I didn't know what sex was. Oh. Like, I literally didn't even know. Even at 20 and 21 when you're working at Walmart? No, I do. But, like, when I first saw my first porn, my first saw my first nude lady, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, that's how women look. That's how I need to look. Like, I'm trying to understand the timeline. In third grade, I got pulled from the Christian private school and then went to public school. And that was mm. where I was exposed to my first curse word. That's where I learned I needed to shave my legs. That's where I learned I needed to, like brush on hair and like put on makeup and that's where I saw my first naked lady boobs mm. I didn't look at the picture and think oh okay in order for boys to like me this is how I need to look I just thought okay this is how I need to look when I grow up this is how a woman looks this is how a real woman looks it's mm, like you're saying that's the only frame of reference you had right right I hadn't even sexualized that woman I see because you're in third grade and then third and right just... I was so young wasn't like we were like, oh my God, look at her. You know, she's right. so hot. She's so sexy. I didn't even know that that existed at that point. I just thought, okay, this is a woman. I am a girl and this is a woman. I know, creepy. <laughs> to me, it's more like it's crazy that it had that big of an impact on. I mean, I'm sure it's like you're saying, like the divorce and changing public. I'm sure it's multiple things, but it's just that that's, you know, something that stood out to you that led you to, I'm going to sleep in my car because it's so important. I look like this. Right. Yeah, you know, there's so many, so many bizarre things. Like, my entire life, I feel like it's one massive contradiction. And I think a lot of other women feel like this too. Like, we're constantly trying to, because really, the most, the sexiest thing a guy can have is a nasty, dirty, nymphomaniac wife who's never fucked another guy that another man has never seen naked, that cooks like your mother, <laughs> that coddles you like your mother, that dresses sexy, but not too sexy, that is smart, but not irritatingly smart, <laughs> that is 
always in a good mood that doesn't talk too 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 much knows her place i mean and that's not even me being sexist that's not me even getting down on men i've just dealt within so much of this what with the webcamming and and dealing with so many different photographers over the span of time and then even being growing up in the church that is ultimately what most men not all men but that is what most men do want and if you say that that doesn't sound hot as fuck you're lying yeah but why is what part of that conversation is like but be who you are but you should be that and that and that's coming from a place of just being practically real with life yeah but you should be that you should be close to that as close to that as possible in order to be winning as a woman mm. um, so that's kind of operating from the philosophy that everyone's selfish I don't I mean I don't think everyone's selfish I mean if you don't look out for yourself who will you know yeah well it's once you say a better alternative would say okay we're all attracted to these things at one level like you're saying like there's one level of you know, you're 20 and this is what's attractive to you, you're 30 and this is what's attractive, and then it's like you're 50 and 60 and it's like, well, what's attractive then? I'm sure that I'm sure that shifts even from culture to culture, age to age. So finding deeper desires that transcend the desires dependent upon age and culture would be nice, especially if they allowed you to be yourself or help build each other up or something like that. It does make me wonder what your sister would think about all this. She thinks... I'm going to, well, you know, she, I think she thinks I'm going to go to hell. I think she thinks my brother's going to go to hell, too. I think she thinks everybody but her and my dad are going to hell, to be quite honest. <laughs> because I've even went to church down here, and I'm like, I went to church down here, you know, dad and sis, and aren't mm. you guys proud of me? My dad's like, is that a, is that a Bible-believing church? And I'm like, good God, what the fuck does a Bible-believing church mean? What is Isn't every church have a fucking Bible in it, dad? It's kind of like still one of those things where it's just not enough. So I'm just like, okay, I'm going to hell. So why even give them the specifics is how I feel. That might not be fair, but that's how I feel. And I don't want to upset my family either. I don't want them to worry about me. I don't want my dad to lay in bed awake at night and say, I wonder what my baby girl is doing down there in crazy LA. And I know they already worry about me. So like why shove it in their faces even more? That's not fair. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about labels is someone can call themselves a Christian or someone can call themselves a playboy. And it's it's like, choose your label. And it's like, just because you identify as this, does it actually, I mean, one playboy, it actually does make you that. But like, shouldn't... <laughs> What's a playmate? Always a playmate. Okay, sir. True. Yeah, fair enough. Bad <laughs> example. I was trying to choose an example from both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> no, I get what you were saying, though, yeah. Like, isn't that the whole basis for you know, Bible believing you're supposed to be saved by grace. And what does that actually mean? So why right. do you think you're better than someone if the whole premise of what you say you believe is that no one's better than anyone else? We're all equally in need of grace. So why I don't get, why I don't get that idea of judgment if that makes you less than? Well, I've heard it said that the biggest cause, I forget exactly how it's said, but the biggest cause of people not being Christians is Christians themselves. Yeah. Case in point, I was in Vegas working SEMA last week. And I was so alcoholed out. I'm like, I'm not doing anything for Halloween. I just want to go out. I want to people watch and just chill. Mm -hmm. I need some. I need some fresh air. I need some food. I'm going the fuck to bed. So, me and uh, one of my friends from Vegas went to Fremont Street. If you have never been to Vegas before, Fremont Street is like the older, original part of Vegas. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit smaller. It's a bit more for the locals versus like the Strip, where it's the clubs, it's the casinos. It's like where if you're going to Vegas for your first time, that's where you're going. You're walking the Strip. It's like the Hollywood Boulevard in LA for all the people that are from out of town. But if you go to Fremont Street, that's like going to like your local pub, your local, you know, mm -hmm. your local hangout or whatever. Mm -hmm. Still really cool. It's just on a smaller level because it's all like original Vegas. I've been in passing, but I've never been there long enough to enjoy. So we were out outside eating dinner, people watching. Uh, we had the sickest view, like right when people were walking into Fremont Street. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's so cool. It's vintage Vegas. It's super neat. But so the people with the fucking bullhorns and the huge sign saying, uh... repent, God is, mm -hmm. you know, God, God is, per, you know, persecuting you. God curses your existence, you know, mm -hmm. repent and blah, 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 blah. The way to the 
truth of the lives, Jesus Christ, our Lord, all this good stuff. And I even put it on my Instagram. I'm like, this is not the way that the Bible says to behave. Mm -hmm. These people are making the other people around them not want to go to church. Have you ever walked into any store where a man with a <laughs> bullhorn is out in front with a massive sign telling you about yourself, <laughs> cutting you down before you've even entered? Why mm. on earth would anyone, especially a Christian, somebody who's supposed to be some, spreading the love of Jesus Christ, <laughs> why would you think that this is okay on any level furthermore mm -hmm. why would you think that this is going to further your cause <laughs> i mean it's, it's so ass backwards it's ridiculous it's laughable it would be laughable if it wasn't so sad and mm -hmm. so despicable yeah and that gives you the exact opposite message where you feel completely like completely counterproductive yeah. yeah for yourself do you actually believe what you're doing is wrong on any moral level it seems to be that's their point and it's like that's i'm not sure how helpful it is to present it that way What's kind of your view around sexuality? I feel like it would be so easy to sit back and say what I'm doing is wrong. And I also feel like it would be so easy to sit back and say what I'm doing is right just for my sake. So when I lay my head down at night, I can sleep a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. None of us knows. None of us knows until we get to our judgment day or whatever you believe in. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's completely wrong but i also don't think it's completely right i mean why would most people not want to do what i do hmm. gotta be something to that most people love mcdonald's it's not <laughs> you know what i mean it's right. not necessarily like right or wrong but people like to go there and eat so general consensus is is that even though it's maybe not so healthy for you it's pretty good everybody likes it everybody likes at least one thing on the menu so you know, the majority has spoken. And in my case, the majority has spoken as well. And not a lot of people would do what I do for a lot of different reasons. To me, my, my understanding or my feel, if you look at society and what culture embraces, it's definitely embracing sexual openness and promiscuity and doing whatever you want. Our general society, yeah, I think, yeah. So then why do you feel that you're kind of on the fringe then? Just because you're actually a Playboy playmate or because you have a webcam or? I think, I think it does have to do with the way I was raised for that. I oh, think I'm constantly mm. battling my childhood self and the way that mm. I was raised versus my adult self saying, hey, you know, it's, you know, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not hurting anyone. But then my childhood self is like, oh, you know, you, you, know, you shouldn't be doing this. this. This probably isn't the right thing to do. So I think I do struggle a lot of times with my with my inner demons and how I live my life. Because my real name is Cassandra, once again, the little house on the prairie. So I do kind of struggle and I do have a lot of inner dialogue. Why aren't you taking the route a lot of people do, which is they try to understand why don't I feel as positive about this experience as I want to. And they blame society or their parents or their upbringing for making them feel this way. And so their message is no one's ever allowed to speak bad about this or to have a different viewpoint. Why haven't you kind of gone that route? Oh, like... Like you personally don't have any issue with it, but yet you do feel conflicted or you're, it's still an open question for you. Why haven't you just said the only reason I feel this ongoing sense of a nagging open-ended question is because other people made me feel this way because i'm an adult now hmm. so it's kind of silly to say like well other people made me feel this way so it's just stuck there and I, there's nothing i can do about it because there is something i could do about it but maybe a part of me um, wants to hold on to that little cobwebbed corner of innocence i might still have <laughs> hmm. I like that approach. The train of thought makes sense to me that people have unwanted feelings around doing the actions that they want to do, and yet they don't feel as positive or it's not everything they thought it would be. And, right. and rather than taking personal responsibility and saying, I'm an adult, let me figure out why I feel conflicted. They tell society, don't anyone ever tell me this isn't okay or it's not 100% awesome. Oh, right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, I don't want to live like, I really appreciate what you said. We were talking before we started recording about how you were just like, yeah, I'm picking up this book because I vehemently disagree with the ideas in the book, mm -hmm. but I want to read it because I want to see the stance this person is taking and why. Like, I want to learn a little bit more about it. I don't want to live 
in a world where people can't say, I don't agree with that. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I have a lot of girlfriends that like, you know, they've, they want to talk a certain way about Trump in the forum or against him and they really want to like hammer it in or they feel a certain way about something and they're just like, this is the only way to feel. Mm-hmm. And I'll just sit back quietly and let them talk because I know that they're just talking because they enjoy listening to what they have to say. I know that they don't care about my opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And I know that my opinion is not going to change it. It's like something really important. I just kind of sit back and listen and let them be on the soapbox feel like that's my gift to them in a way Mm. because why do I have to stand up every time and say no I disagree with that and I'm offended and how dare you no at the end of the day she's sharing her view like even in yoga class I go to this really amazing yoga place in Beverly Hills it's amazing and one of my favorite teachers one of the most popular teachers there is kind of like this Rastafarian older lady from London. And she talks a lot about the law of three, the sacred masculine, the sacred feminine, the sacred LGBT. So she talks a little bit about LGBT in there. And she also talks about like vaccines. She talks about you shouldn't be eating meat. You know, the the, the meat's making you sick. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. So those are three really like aggressive train of thought so mm-hmm. she's talking about in a very supposed to be kind of a very neutral space and mm. let me tell you i don't agree with all of her stances but i love that she shares her opinion mm-hmm. and the way she's sharing her opinion she's sharing it with love she's just trying to spread her knowledge what she's learned what she's figured out works for her she's trying to spread it with love So like, and I don't even say that like in a crunchy granola way, because she's definitely sharing it Mm -hmm. like aggressively, Mm -hmm. even, even so to the point that people have complained to the owner of the yoga studio, but I think she's part owner. So I think she can kind of say fuck (laughs) off, which is good. Yeah. Right. But you know, she's actually upset some people and I'm thinking, you know what, how fucking much of a snowflake do you have to be, you know, especially when you're supposed to be in such a grateful space. Can't we just appreciate the fact, especially as a woman, that we live in a time and a country where she can share all this and not have to worry about being shot down and murdered Mm. in broad daylight? I'm just grateful that especially as a woman, especially as a woman who gets nude for a living, as a girl whose father was brown and whose mother was so white she'd see through, I would have never been able to have even been born. My dad is extremely ethnic looking. Even back then, that my parents' parents, neither of them were very happy because it was very much an interracial relationship at that time, two small towns. I'm just grateful that like we can even talk like this on Facebook. And you know, freedom of speech is being fucked with too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, the YouTube, things are getting taken down without warning. Whole channels are getting completely nuked. People that are supposedly speaking free speech mm-hmm. should be able to do that. So I'm I'm just so grateful that like this lady can say that. What the fuck does it matter if I agree with it or not? I do so much shit that people definitely don't agree with. Who the fuck am I to judge? That's where it gives you that appreciation for Yeah. Letting yeah. people speak their mind does not imply you agree with it. Stepping back and thinking about America in the 50s or 60s, just from what I've read or seen about it. There was a lot of things they were doing right. There was a lot of shit they were doing wrong, too. Right. And it, it, it kind of feels like it's like we're reacting against it. Like 50s and 60s, you know, the era of you know, like free love and the hippies. It's kind of like, hey, the church was predominantly setting the cultural tone and it was viewed as too right. repressive and viewed as too restrictive. And if you look, right. if you look at where we are now, it's like we're very restrictive and very oppressive just about different issues. And it's like, has, right. has, the re- has the oppressiveness really ended or has it just shifted that we now it's just sh- it's just shifted. we're oppressing different things? And it's like, yeah. yeah, you actually stand for free speech. And if someone wants to have a bullhorn saying how awful I am, that dude's an idiot. But he can be an idiot and life goes on. It's kind of interesting you have that approach. Do you think that's true of most of your friends or people you kind of know where it's like they're kind of more? No, uh, no. I would hmm. say I'm the most free thinking of all my friends. Hmm. I will say this though, I there's I think there's one gal that's older than me in our little group, if you will. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. the older one of my friends too. I also think I'm the more the most up and down though. So <laughs> I'm I would say my position in our friend group is uh, the most erratic. 
<laughs> what is that like? You, meaning you change your opinions from day to day, or what? No, my my opinions pretty much stay the same, but oh. uh, my moods and my personalities are just up and down. Some days I'm kind of um, bouncing off the walls, and then other days I'm just like, leave me alone. I won't go on Instagram for three, four days at a time. I won't reply to text messages. My last ex was just like, I don't know, I never know who I'm going to get. And I'm like, that's supposed to be fun. <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that what you just, meant what? <laughs> just keeping it interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're welcome. I thought. You want a predictable, like, boring life? Yeah. <laughs> of course, we always want what we can't have, though, you know, so. <laughs> I think that's a key thing because that's one of my questions. Like, I want to know what, what they actually have that they enjoy because it seems like what most people are inspired by or want are always things they don't actually have. It's like people, it. right, they enjoy the chase. Yeah. And you know what I think in LA and all across the world, the chase, that's one thing that rings true generationally. I mm. think men and women, we love a healthy chase. And I think. Also, nobody wants somebody that nobody else wants. So if you're like there all the time, ready to go, then it's kind of like, okay, well, does this guy or this gal have nothing going on? Like, why is she always at my beck and call? Why is he always at my beck and call? I think it's just human nature. Do you think that's a flaw? I think it's healthy if done right. I think it's really healthy. Isn't that the definition of playing a game? It is. It is. But, you know. But you're saying that game is the most enjoyable thing that there is. Not necessarily enjoyable, but imagine the latter. One of my favorite things about autistic people is that they just say what the fuck is on their mind. Like, I love, I love that that is even like a thing <laughs> now that we're openly talking about autism and that people are finally being diagnosed and mm -hmm. getting help. But I mean, I just love, honestly, I swear, I feel like, like autistic people are my people and that they just say what they're thinking. And then they're just going for it. They have stuff in their mind and it's coming out their mouth. Because I often have that as well. And I have learned in this world, it just, you are the abnormal person. If you don't want to play a game, you are the odd man out. So I think what I've learned is there is a healthy amount of push-pull in order to keep other people engaged. There's a healthy amount. But you need to communicate. So if you're changing plans last minute because you want to keep the guy on his toes, you want to keep the gal on her toes, you need to communicate. You need to say, oh, my gosh, such and such happened. I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. Can we reschedule for Tuesday? And then you definitely make Tuesday or you definitely make the next day or you definitely make happen. What You know what I mean? Whatever. You can't just be like this uncommunicative, hard to, hard to find person. Otherwise, you're going to lose every time. Nobody likes somebody who is all over the map. I agree with what you're saying in one stance. I think it, that feels nice to most people, but if you actually dig down and say, why are we so afraid to speak our minds? Why do we always feel, feel the need to filter or to adjust or to play? Well, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to, you don't have to filter, but it's just probably not going to be as intriguing as the guy or the gal next to you. You also need to understand that. <laughs> yes. I from a logical standpoint, though, like once you say that people who are more interested by, I mean, dishonesty wouldn't be the word, it would be intrigue, but it's intrigue built around dishonesty or lies. It's like, they, doesn't that just speak to pe people don't I know what they, people don't know what they want. They, if they actually have something, can't even ascertain the value of it. They just have to imagine something better. And then it's like, oh, snap. I don't actually want things. I just want to pretend to want things because I don't actually know myself and know my desires and know what I truly want. So the best thing I can imagine having is always something beyond my reach. And then it's like, oh, I can't believe he's a player. And it's like, well, that's probably what you actually want. You want someone, if he's actually there for you all the time, then you would have to actually deal with real stuff. But if it's always like, I'm nervous, I feel just a little insecure, people actually want that, which is fine, but I don't think they would verbally say that don't realize that they want that so they can't verbally say that it's subliminal it's all subliminal correct yeah. but that's where it's like okay like we could play this game of saying oh well i'm not going to say you know what you actually want is you don't know so the best thing you can imagine is you want someone who always keeps you guessing because therefore if you're in that place of weakness right guys who put women down like yeah, you're doing your modeling, but you're not really succeeding. It's like, ooh, he must be strong if he's willing to, like, put me down. It's like, is that really strength? 
why isn't building each other up, being there for each other, even though most people would out loud say they want that, like you're saying, that's not really what they go for. Well, I think in a committed adult relationship between two people that are on the same page, then yeah, you need to be building your partner up. None of this bullshit about you don't look good today or you're fat and you lose some weight. None of this bullshit. You need to figure out how you you guys can be the best together. Right. But as far as dating goes, never, ever, ever, and even in business, I feel like never, ever listen to what people are telling you. You have to listen to their actions. You have to, yeah, you have to to see how they react to certain things and then whatever they react to in the way that you like in the way that, that you feel serves you then that's what you give them more of and unfortunately with a lot of women it is the assholishness behavior correct and that usually does come sometimes within a certain age range like right now in 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 my point of life it's kind of few and far between that I'm gonna, if somebody's kind of behaving like an asshole, I might go with it for a little while. If I really like the guy, I might think, oh, okay. Like, let me figure out if this is his personality or if this is, you mm. know, we're just kind of having a hard time getting on the same page here. And if I figure out it's part of his personality, then I'm done. But probably about 10 years ago when I was 23, like Mr. Big and Bad and Mysterious and late to every date, that probably would have really got me going. But mm. at this point, it's different. But again, whatever I'm responding to, do more of that. If you're some guy out there that wants to date me and you're like continually late or continually no show and I keep calling, well then shit, keep giving it to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. here I am telling you what I want, A, B, and C. But listen, good old trusty Frank shows up at the door at 9.30 p.m. every night on the dot. You know, whenever I need him, then, then yeah, you know, maybe poor Frank isn't getting laid. God bless him. <laughs> maybe the asshole that never shows up or is always late maybe he's getting late who knows so as a man especially it's really tricky out there for you guys dating because we as women we tend to tell you we want want one thing and then you tend to see us respond to something completely different and you guys do that to us too (laughs) yeah and that's it seems that's the underlying way society operates where it's the odd person out who's actually like I'm straightforward, I'm to the point, I'm direct, I'm honest, I know what I want, I know what I'm about. It feels like people don't, that's just so foreign. You don't appreciate it. There's no place for that in today's society. And I call it like word vomit. And I look back at some of my messages, like I got on a dating site recently. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what happened. Not Well, not recently. Well, yeah, kind of recently, a few months ago. But I got back on a dating site and I was, I don't know what I was doing. I, I must have been looking for something, but I think I started messaging with somebody that I had mm. randomly messaged with many years ago. And I was looking at these messages and I was just like word vomiting, like just things about my day, my whole mm. life, my schedule for the week. And I'm like this poor guy, like no wonder why we never met. I'm like being way too open, upfront, and honest. I'm giving him way more information than he can process so early on in the game. How is that not the definition of immaturity? You know what? It's not the definition of immaturity. It's like me being insecure. Like no, insecurity. no, no, no. I wasn't. I wasn't meaning you. I was meaning the other guy. Why is this idea that adults cannot process and handle someone? Because why would he want to invest in some random chick who is like giving him the lowdown on her day? He probably thought I was manic. Why would you want to invest in someone who the first six months, all they tell you is lies and you have to wait six months to find out who they actually are? I mean, it happens all the time. No, it does. I'm not, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not arguing from a position of popularity or how I it's think, done. I think, I think lies, I think the verbiage that you're using is mm-hmm. actually too strong. In my in opinion, I think it's incorrect. So, yeah. I think lies is too strong of a word. Um, lies of omission, lies of commission. Well, and then misleading or holding back why is that not weakness because it it feels like people think that's like how it should be and it's like but isn't that just weakness and immaturity or a a flavor of that why why would you not agree to that like that somebody's playing the field for the first six months but maybe they're kind of like not telling you and you're like maybe not seeing anybody else and so then not not something like that that's part of it well part of it's just like because i have these deep insecurities i can't let you know who i really am or what i'm really about because in my mind if you found this out about me then you would leave me or then I would not be valuable enough in your eyes or not worth it. So therefore I have to 
disguise things or wrap them up in a prettier presentation. I can't actually be real. And so that to me just speaks of insecurity rather than being like, yeah, who I am from day one is who I am at day 1001. Why would that not be more impressive? I agree. And I think transparency is like, I, I still tend to not word vomit necessarily, but I do tend to overshare. Couldn't even tell you. I'm sure there's books on there. I have a really good friend, Michael Sartain, who like, and he gives me all types of books to read mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm sure there's probably a book out there that he could recommend to us that would help explain this. It's different when it's intriguing. It's the same thing having to do with the the line outside a club it's it's proven that if people see a line outside a club they think oh my god what is going on in there i need to get in there what the fuck is that there's a huge line right i'm not making my argument i'm not saying what's popular i'm not saying what everyone does but i'm also saying if you look at the divorce rates if you look at how a lot of women it's unrealistic for them to think marriage will last a lifetime or this and this if you look at all the way things are, it's like, well, maybe that's related to the way you go about approaching things. I, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think we need to like look at other people with love too, because again, I think this is such like a judgmental topic because it's so easy to say, well, why didn't you just lead with that? Why didn't you just lead with that? But like, why can't we just be more loving and understanding towards people when they fuck up? No matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Keep listening to check out the past episodes and stay tuned for the next episode where we talk with Coach Jen Rulon about SeaWorld and Ironman Kona.